Hi, this is Alaomi, and welcome to another Spotlight episode. So what is Spotlight episode? It's essentially when I bring back a truth or an episode or a theme or a topic that has previously been shared on the podcast, and I spotlight it. <laughs> I bring it back to people's remembrance. I bring it back into people's consciousness so that they can be reminded of that truth. And usually there's, the, there's, there's, there's always a reason why I would spotlight a particular episode. I think this is the third spotlight episode that we're going to be doing on the podcast. And I want to just share with you before I play the episode, why I'm bringing this, <laughs> this episode back, why I'm spotlighting it. Um, so recently, very you know, recently I, I experienced a, what I, what I would call a major setback, you know, the kind of setback, in fact, you know, that you, 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 you become speechless, <laughs> you are speechless. You don't even know what to say as in, you don't even know what to say again, as in you're like, uh, 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 and there's nothing coming out. And for the first time, as far as I can, as long, you know, as, as far as I can remember for the first time in my life, right. For the first time, maybe not in my life. Um, for the first time since I have been walking with God. And so, you know, you've probably heard me say on the podcast that me and God, you know, God and I are tight. We're tight. We, we, we have this thing going on. <laughs> um, as in, I know God, God knows me and my, my desire is to continue to know him and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I've, I've experienced God. So I've never experienced anything in my life that would make me want to say that I don't know God or that I, that I don't have an awareness of God. But this particular setback, right, got me to the point for the first time that I can remember, right, in my walk with God, where I literally, well, figuratively looked God in the face and I said, I think you didn't tell the truth about this thing. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that God can't lie. I mean, if God has a face, I literally looked him in the face and I said, this one, no, this particular one, mm -mm, you didn't, I don't think you told the truth. I don't think you were truthful, right? I said it. Okay. Sue me. I said it. I don't, I think you got this one wrong. I think you were a bit too excited in wanting to make certain promises. And then you went and made the promise to me and me, I collected the promise and I carried it and then see now, see what's happened. How can this be the outcome of what you said? If if what you said is not what I'm seeing as, uh, as the outcome. And, um, I, I had a conversation with my husband, I think the same day, and I was just thinking and thinking and thinking, I was like, what's wrong? So I said, well, um, this is where I'm in my state of mind. I just feel like, um, I don't think God told the truth about this situation. And I'm not the kind of person that will, you know, um, go around questioning God or, you know, or go around questioning the integrity of God or his word. I'm like, you know, the defender of, of God, if, if there's such a title, if it, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what anybody's facing, they come to me and they say, it's not working. I would say, well, it's you that's not working. The word always works as in that's my disposition because I have seen God. I have walked with God. 
even when it looked absolutely impossible, I have seen the word of God come through too many times in my life for me not to be a defender of God, like Voltron. <laughs> but in this particular instance, when I said what, what I said, he knew that I'm not just the kind of person that would say something like that. So he knew that, ah, there's something, <laughs> there's something seriously wrong here. And the next thing I knew, this was just before we went to sleep. The next thing I knew, you know, uh, I woke up in the middle of night and he wasn't there and he basically did not come to to bed all nights because he was praying and and he said listen i'm praying for you um and he he basically went and prayed for me he went and he prayed for me because what i said i didn't say it lightly i i was going to like hold down one against god and i said you will have to explain this one to me one day so i had for that particular situation i had gotten to the point where I just, I just said, God, you did not tell the truth. And without me emphasizing what you already know, that is probably the most dangerous, the most dangerous. This, these are the kind of thoughts that cause people to eventually renounce Christ and lose their salvation and walk away from the whole thing. Do you understand? The, the seed had been sown. And I believe that it was the intercession of my husband that basically operated that seed. After that, God began to show me things. And well, I'm, I'm very pleased to say that we are back on track. God and I are like, okay, you know, and I saw that, listen, listen, it, it, the word is always true. The word is always true. Sometimes I won't expect it. We set expectations for ourselves that God didn't send you. He didn't send you to go and say, this is when this thing will happen or how it will happen. You go and hinge your faith on something that is built on the stand that did not come out of the mouth of God. It doesn't work out that way. And then you say, okay, um, it didn't happen. God didn't come through for me. No, no. So that's why I'm resharing this episode because in this, it is titled, if God's word cannot fail, then why didn't it work? Because if we can settle it with it, with ourselves, that the word of God is always, always true. It says, let God be true and every man be a liar. It's not just a cliche. It's not just something we quote from the Bible. It's because God never speaks anything until he has completed it. His integrity is so astute. His integrity is so intact that he never comes and says anything before he has first of all done it. He says that the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world, before the world was even created, God had actually presented, released Jesus Christ, his son to go and die for humanity. That is why, because he had done it, he could then have the integrity to start talking about it. So if God has shown you a promise, it's not because he's now trying to help you make it happen. It's because he has already completed it. He will now start walking you. So he's like, he finishes it, comes back to the beginning and then walks you through from the beginning to the end so that you can then enjoy and access it. That is how the word of God works. That is who God is. And that is what his entire integrity is staked upon. In this episode, I talk about the parable of the sower. It is the most important portion of the scripture you will ever read. Jesus said, if you do not understand this parable, how can you understand any other truth? So this is something that I had to deal with um, recently and I basically um, went to God and God brought me back. He brought me back to the point where he like, listen, listen, the problem is not with the word. It's already finished. You need to go and retrace your steps and see where you went off track, right, regarding it. So I'm sharing this episode with you as a reminder 
that if there's something that you are going for, that you are reaching for, that just basically looked impossible, and you may have even thought that it was going to happen, it was looking very favorable, and then all of a sudden everything just collapsed, and as a result of that, there's a temptation to become offended at God, to doubt the integrity of the Word of God and of God Himself, then you definitely want to listen to this episode. So that's why I'm sharing it, and... Um, I hope it helps you, um, the truth in it. I hope it helps you and sets you free exactly the same way it has set me free. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast today we're talking about when god gives us a promise and it doesn't happen it doesn't come to fruition it doesn't manifest for everyone to see it doesn't manifest into something that we can touch taste feel etc uh, you know what I mean? You know, God gives you a word. He, he gives you a promise or you see a promise in his word that you stand on. And you're certain, you're so certain that it will, it will happen in the blink of an eye. But then a month goes by and then two months, months turn into years and you're left feeling doubtful, disappointed or even resentful. Many times we tend to brush those desires aside, those dreams and say, oh, well, um, maybe God didn't want me to have in the first place, or maybe it just wasn't the right time, etc. And we excuse it away. But the truth is, if you believed God gave you that promise, that word in the first place, why didn't it come to pass? Why didn't it happen? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be examining that journey from the moment God reveals a promise to you and all the way through to when it is fulfilled or at least it should be fulfilled or manifested for everyone to see. There's a process to it. I believe that there's a process to it. And it's when we miss out on applying the right process that many times we lose out on seeing the manifestation of what God has promised. Now, as we go into this, where I'm starting with the premise um, and the understanding that God's word doesn't fail. So when God says something, it's not a, okay, maybe he's in a good mood and he promised you this. And then tomorrow you do something and he changes his mind and retracts that promise. No, I'm not going from that point of view because if we say, okay, maybe God didn't want you to have it anymore, then that literally just throws everything up in the air, right? But we're going from the point of view of God wants you to have it. It is his will. You know that it's his will for you. He has shown you, you are certain of it. So that's what we're talking about today. Not the one where, okay, I don't even know, etc. You know, God gave you the word and he probably confirmed it to you several times over. So that's the foundation of what we're looking at today. Why do those kind of sure, almost guaranteed promises not come to pass sometimes? Okay, that's what we're going to be looking at. If God cannot lie, why am I not seeing the manifestation 
of what he has promised. So today I'm going to be digging into the Bible, which is my book of wisdom, to answer these questions. I will walk through some of the reasons why what God freely gives is delayed or does not even find its way into our reality. And importantly, how to address those hindrances to manifestation so that you can enjoy effortless manifestation, at least have an understanding of what's happening so that you don't give up. Because I realize that sometimes when we don't understand the process, we may think, oh, nothing's happening. I don't see anything happening. And as a result of that, we get discouraged and we give up. Okay, so we're going to be addressing, identifying what those hindrances are and also gleaning wisdom from the word of God as to how we can overcome those hindrances in order to see the manifestation of what God has promised. So my hope is, as you listen to this teaching, that you will see yourself in some of the scenarios and you will know exactly how to overcome whatever it is, whatever obstacle that is in your way or has been in your way, and you can go on to enjoy the fulfillment of God's promise to you. Okay, so to teach this topic, I'm going to use the one of the clearest explanations given in the Bible for the reason why the word of God given, given to us or promises given by God does not always produce results. And that is a parable of the sower. <laughs> it's a very popular parable. And, you know, so I'm going to be looking at it from a very different perspective today. So I believe you're, you will get something out of it. And if we're going to go purely by the wisdom Jesus taught in that parable, there are three main reasons why the word of God does not produce fruit in our lives. I will also be using examples, very unique examples to illustrate these hindrances so that it can really bring it home to us. Because we do know that Jesus explained the parable to his disciples. But I, what I'm going to be doing is using examples, people's lives, to bring it and to draw it, to draw it into context so that we can actually see ourselves in their examples and we'll be like, oh, oh, I understand now. This is what I've been doing wrong and this is what I need to correct. Today's text is taken from Luke 8, 26 to 39. Okay, so let's dig in. It begins in Luke 8, 5, and it says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. So Later on, Jesus talked about how the seed is the word of God. So the sower is sowing the seed. So we are, this is an analogy for when you receive a word from God. So this is actually the first kind of soil that that word lands on. Okay. So it says that it falls by the wayside. It is trampled down upon and the birds of the air devoured it. Now, this analogy is very interesting because <laughs> The seed didn't even make it into the soil. It didn't even get in. So it was sort of like cast on the wayside, on the road, on the pavement. And it didn't even get inside. It didn't even, the, it didn't even begin the process of germination. It didn't have the opportunity to. Now, there are a couple of things that we can see straight away from here. Number one is this. It landed on the ground and then birds came up and ate it. It says that the birds of the air came up and ate it. Now, 
later on, Jesus talked about how this is Satan. It typifies how Satan will immediately swoop in and will steal that word, right? But yes, we, we understand that. But I want to take it deeper and look at it from a different perspective. Um, can you necessarily, if, if you think about it this way, if I dig a hole, I put some seeds in it and then I cover the hole back. Um, it is very unlikely, improbable that a bird would swoop down and then come and eat those seeds, right? Birds tend to look for things on the surface, right? They don't like go looking around and digging and digging and saying, I'm looking for seed. They, 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 they walk around and they're looking for something that is already on the ground, if that makes sense. So this particular seed landed on the ground, which made it easy target for the birds or for Satan to come up and steal it. Now, what that suggests is a lack of attention, a lack of attention. And what do I mean by that? The Bible says that God daily loads us with benefits daily. That means every day God is speaking. God is releasing the word and promises into our lives. But the point is we're not, when we're not paying attention to these promises, it is, that's literally describing what happened with the first soil where the word comes and there's no attention given to it. And before the thing even enters into the heart, it's gone because Satan has stolen it, etc. Okay, so little or no attention is being given to that word. It suggests a life that's so busy that the promises of God are literally just passing by. I think it was Oral Roberts that said a miracle is passing you by every single day. Every single day, there's a miracle. Something big, something supernatural is actually passing you by. Now, someone might say, okay, I, you, 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 I read the Bible, etc. At least I do that. But I'm talking about giving attention. And I'll give you something that probably is quite common that you can relate to. So let's say you have a Bible reading plan and you read a chapter of the Bible every day or a couple of verses or, or in church or whatever it is. And the thing is this, so you might be reading the Bible on the training to work. When you read a particular verse or you read a particular story, something, right, stirs up inside you. But you're like, mm -hmm, you know, that, that looks interesting, but there's no patience to stick with it. Or you've arrived at your destination and you need to get off the train or it's the end of your quiet time and you need to go, etc. You move on and that impression that the Holy Spirit was laying upon you literally goes away. There was no time given, no attention given to that impression. So you see something and sort of like stir something inside you. You move away from it and you don't remember to come back to it. What basically happens is Satan comes straight away and he steals that promise because it has been left unattended. It's like it's gone in one ear and it's come out the other ear. You know, clearly that word is never going to produce results because even when at the beginning, at the onset, when that word was given, enough attention was not even given to it to receive it, to receive it. So it's like someone, someone was asked to deliver something to you and they're passing by you and you don't even give them attention. After a while, you know, they might come and stand in front of you. You're still not giving them attention. They're trying to get your attention saying, I have something for you. I have a package for you. But, you know, you're not giving them attention. You don't acknowledge, you don't receive them into your space. 
and they're like, okay, I'm gone. And they walk away. That is what that first soul is talking about, okay? The first one about the birth, it was left unattended. It was literally left. When the impression came, you did not really give attention to it to say, hmm, I'm going to write this down in my journal and I'm going to come back to this to see what God is actually saying. And when Jesus explained this particular soil, he said, because they did not understand it. Now that understanding is not talking about mentally. So if I read the story of, let's say Moses, for example, oh, I understand that he was born and then he was put in a basket. No, I have the ability to comprehend what I'm reading. I, I can understand English, right? But when he says understand it, it means that being able to see the relevance of that story to your own life. Meaning if 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 Moses was born at a time when his life literally was in danger and his parents hid him, etc., etc., how does that relate to you? I mean, it is quite unlikely, right, that we're going to live at a time, God forbid, where if I give birth to a son, my son is going to be killed. It is quite unlikely that that's going to happen in this day and age. So you might read that and think, oh, okay, now I know about Moses. Now I've collected facts about Moses. And then I move on. Meanwhile, as you read it, God wants to show you something. He wants to impress something upon you and give you a word and a promise regarding something that you're actually going through in your own life. But you're so quick to move on that that promise was never really delivered to you. All right. So that's the first one. No attention was given to the word. And then the second thing that the Bible says is that word, that seed was trampled upon. It was trampled upon. Now, again, this is before that word was even allowed to settle. So it didn't enter into the ground, into the soil. Now, what that means is this. It was trampled upon. This is talking about an external factor and it can basically happen in two ways. Number one is if people, all right, if people come against you and they begin to attack that thing. So even before that word takes root, you might have an idea, an idea pops into your mind and you think, oh, I think I can do this. And then you immediately discuss it with someone. I think, you know, this idea came to me while I was, you know, doing my prayer time this morning, etc., etc. And as soon as the words leave your mouth, the person goes, oh, you know, how is that possible? I know someone that has done it and it didn't work. Oh, you know, and they immediately rain on that parade. They immediately disqualify you from being able to achieve it. Now that's trampling upon the seed. That's trampling upon it. They disqualify. They basically say, listen, I don't think that can happen. So that is an external factor whereby someone, right, gives their own interpretation of what that word is. And as a result of that faulty interpretation, that seed, that word, and it is still in a very tender state, gets trampled upon and the life inside of it is literally squeezed out. That to the point that you don't, you know, you don't even think about it again. Like, oh, you're right. Oh, you know, and you put it aside and you never think about it again. That word has also been stolen. And the other way that happens is your own in your through your own powerful arguments that rise up immediately to counter it. What do I mean by that? 
So, for example, as I said, God gives you a word, he gives you a seed, he gives you a dream. And then your own internal arguments as a result of years of conditioning rise up. All right. See, the thing is, there are certain things that you have come to believe about yourself through, you know, through your growing up years, through the experiences that you've had, through the people that you've interact with, interacted with, through the authority figures in your life, etc. And if those thoughts, if that conditioning is contrary to what God says, when you hear that word, if those arguments rise up powerfully, right? Immediately, it says immediately they rise up and they are powerful to contradict that word, to attack it. That word, in this case, does not survive. It literally says, no, 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 that can't happen. That's not for you. It's not you God is talking about. You know, you know that's, that's never going to happen. Just forget it. And you literally cast it aside and say, no, that's not me God is talking about. And you move on. That is what we're talking about, okay? A position that comes either through internal arguments as a result of years of negative conditioning or as a result of external attack from people that tell you it is not possible. So that word does not even enter into the heart. It is cast aside, all right? And I believe this is the most common way that we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. An example of that, a quick example of that is Zechariah. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. So an angel showed up and said, Zechariah, good news. This is what's going to happen. You're going to have a son, etc., etc." And a powerful argument rose up within him as a result of years of conditioning like oh we have asked we have been praying etc etc it did not happen it is impossible and he literally said look dude (laughs) this is impossible my wife is old i cannot have a child forget it and you know he literally cast that seed and that is why the angel had to silence him because the angel had to literally take him out of the picture because John the Baptist had to come because it had to come before Jesus. So we can't gamble on the fact that, you know, (laughs) there's some things that God is saying, it must happen, it must happen. That's a different thing. God had been prophesying for generations. He had been putting things in place for centuries. In fact, more than centuries, probably a thousand years, a couple of thousands of years, whatever, for Jesus to come. And then someone guy is going to now disrupt the whole thing. No, he's not. He's not powerful enough to do that. So the angel literally took him out of the picture so that what was what had already gained so much momentum could happen. But it's a very good example as to how when a message, a promise is delivered, God impresses something upon your heart. But the argument in your mind, that limiting belief system is so powerful that that word does not even settle. Okay, so that is the first hindrance. Number one is not giving attention to that word. And the second one is as a result of powerful argument, internal and external argument, that seed does not even find a place in our heart. And before we know it, it's gone forever. 
Now, having said that, I believe that God is a God of mercy and he's not a God of one chance. He's a God of a billion chances. So even when he makes that impression on the heart and as a result of these factors, we literally just cast it aside and say no and Satan steals it. I believe that God will still come back in many, many ways to come and keep giving you that word until it grabs your attention. I really believe that. And we see examples of that throughout the Bible. Okay. So now moving on to the second hindrance, the second hindrance or the second type of soil or the second response that we have to the word of God or God's promise that hinders its manifestation. And it says that some fell on rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Now, this is how Jesus explained it. He said that the seeds on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. Now, we know that the seed on the roadside that, you know, that was cast on the roadside on the pavement got stolen because the person didn't understand it, meaning they there wasn't enough time or attention to be able to bring that word into their own personal experience, right? (laughs) But in this case, the person actually understood it enough to see how that word applies to them. And this person got very excited. They're very excited, right? You know, she received the word with great joy as in, wow, God showed me this. I'm so excited. This is what he's told me about my business or about my marriage or about my finances. You're reading the Bible and something jumps at you. You stay with it. And God just shows you something that blows your mind. And like, wow. And you respond with such joy and excitement. Now that's beautiful. You can see that in this case, it is characterized by a lot of emotion. And that's good because it means that that word actually goes into the ground or like the first one that it doesn't even have enough attention upon it to be planted into the soil so at least it goes into the ground all right it's like when we shout a big <laughs> amen in church when you know the the pastor releases a word of prophecy or declaration and we shout amen right but the problem comes when we actually walk out of church Or when you finish your quiet time and you step into the real world and you are hit with evidence after evidence that contradicts what you were so sure God told you probably minutes earlier. The question is, how do you respond? How do you respond when you are hit with signs that are telling you, Lila, it's never going to happen? How do you respond when you're hit with signs that tell you that what you think you just heard is just hogwash? It's not going to happen. Well, the Bible teaches here that how you respond to those contradictory signs has a lot to do with whether that promise will be fulfilled or not. And the response a lot of times is is displayed. So when I say response, I don't mean you suddenly um, stop pushing or stop moving forward towards that dream, etc. In fact, sometimes we keep moving forward, we keep pushing, but the heart has departed. So it's not necessarily in the outward show in terms of in terms of actions. 
the quickest way you can tell what you really believe is by what you're saying. So it is your words. What are you saying about that situation? What I mean is this. So you're reading the Bible and God gives you a word or through somebody, etc. And you're so sure and he tells you that you're, you're going to progress in your career. Your career is going to multiply in this year and your income is going to triple, etc. Whatever it is that God shows you from the word. And you're excited. You are so excited. You receive that word with great joy. But then you, you walk out and you get to work. And then your manager shows up and says, you know, we're really sorry, but um, we are ending your contract early or something like that. Or they say, oh, the promotion that we were talking about, I, I took it back to the board and they're saying we're not really um, going to be releasing money for that this year. Now, <laughs> the true test is what you say. All right. It's what you say. How do you respond? What do you, what is your conclusion by what you speak in that particular situation? What do you say? Because that is the evidence of what you believe out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. So if you find yourself saying things that, oh, well, it looks like that's it. You know, I, God told me this, but it's not looking like this. I don't even know why this is happening to me. I don't know why they're picking on me after everything I've done. And you begin to speak as if God lied and the situation is telling the truth. That means you have not responded the right way to that point of pressure. And that's what we're talking about here. And I'll give an example. When Moses, first of all, went, when God sent Moses to the children of Israel with the wonderful news of their deliverance and Moses and Aaron showed up in front of the leaders and he told them everything God has said and God's intention, uh, God is going to deliver you from the mighty hand of Pharaoh, etc. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that they received it and they worshiped, they bowed their heads and they worshiped God. They worshipped him. They were, they received it with joy. They didn't, they, they didn't even, um, they weren't cynical. They didn't say, oh, is it possible? I'm not sure. So this is, this was, their response was not the first soil. The first soil is cynicism. It's saying, I don't know how that's going to happen, etc. They received it. They're like, oh, he has heard our cry. We're so grateful to God. They bowed down and they worshipped. They were excited, right? <laughs> But do you know, that same day or the next day, Moses and Aaron showed up in front of Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. And do you know the way Pharaoh reacted? He made it 10 times worse for them. So he multiplied the pressure and the pain and the hardship that was upon the children of Israel. Yeah. And how did they respond? <laughs> Remember the same day, probably hours before that, or minutes, they were jumping for joy at this deliverance. Minutes later, or hours later, when pressure, when pressure, when a contradictory evidence presented itself, they immediately turned and they began to say, why have you come to do this to us? What kind of thing is this? Who acts ready to come in the first place? And they began to curse Moses. And they began to say, why did you bring this upon us? 
That is literally what that second soil is. It doesn't have any depth. But I, I want, I want, what I want you to see now is when God first speaks something to us, it rarely has any depth to begin with. It is not like, oh, okay, God says something and you absolutely believe it. Yes, that happens, but those situations are quite rare. They're quite rare. When you receive that word the first time, it is like the rocky soil. So you have to begin to break up the stony heart. You have to begin to break up those, the doubts, the things that you have believed so that that word, the more you focus on that word and you worship God on it, that word is like a hammer. It begins to break up every hardness that is in your heart regarding that situation. All right. When you hear it in the beginning, that is only the beginning. It's the starting point. So that joy and the excitement that you felt in the beginning, honestly, don't be deceived by that because it is only the starting point. If you only go forward based on that, you will be essentially like that seed that fell upon the rocky ground. As soon as the Bible actually, you know, it's quite interesting. It says that temptation comes for the sake of the word. So that word that's planted in your heart will attract pressure. It will attract pressure. Why? Because Satan hates to see God's will done. So when God gives you a promise and he shows you something in his word, immediately he will apply pressure. The same way Pharaoh applied pressure. That is how Satan operates. That is the way this world operates. This world does not necessarily want to see God's will done. We are the enforcers of God's will. Notice the word enforcer, meaning it's not just going to happen automatically. We have to enforce that will because Satan, the Bible says, is the God of this world. So that excitement, the joy I receive now is only the beginning. Picture it as it is currently on the rock. And the more I focus and meditate on that word and pray over it and declare over it, etc., the rock begins to break up so that all the all the stones of unbelief, of everything I have believed about myself that is contrary to what God wants to do, begins to find its way out of my life so that I can be rooted and established in that word. All right. Now, I want to read something. And this is a process that we need to apply every time we receive God's word. Mark 4, 24 and 25. Jesus was talking and he said, pay close attention to what you hear. So it's not just about hearing the word, receiving it with joy and then thinking that's it. He said, the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. So remember, the understanding came in the beginning and that's what gave you the joy because you saw yourself in that word and it applied to you and like, oh, this is what God wants to do in my life. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. But that is only little understanding. It says the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. So that is the rock, the stony heart being broken up and being turned into a heart of flesh. To those who listen to my teaching or who gives attention to that word, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening or who are not giving attention to that word, 
Notice what Jesus, this is, this is really weird. Notice what he said. He said, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Meaning, if that word is not given attention, you know that excitement, the same way the children of Israel, the first time they faced pressure, that whole understanding and the excitement was snatched away. So that little understanding that they had with, that they started with rather, right? Because they did not give attention to it, was taken away. So it ought, basically the, the, the rocky ground was converted, <laughs> for lack of a better word, into the one that fell on, this, on, the, on the wayside, the one on the pavement, and Satan came and stole it. All right? Satan came and stole it, and that word never produced results. And then someone will say, and the, the, the thing about that is you receive that word and then you, you now keep saying, oh, God has given me a word. This is what God has shown me. Meanwhile, even that understanding is gone. It's, it's, that seed is not growing. It's not growing. Just because God said it and you received it the first time does not mean that it's going to stay that way. You have to keep giving attention to it. And if you don't give attention to it, it will diminish by default. The longer you leave it without giving attention to that word, the quicker it will diminish and eventually it will be uprooted completely out of your life. And you will, you will cast that word out and cast it aside and say, it was never meant to be for me. So that is the second hindrance. So not continuing to give attention to that word, not continuing to meditate on it, to declare it, to pray over it, right? As a result of that, even that little understanding that came in the beginning was snatched away and that word, that seed became unfruitful. The third one is it says other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And when Jesus explained it, he said, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life and their fruit does not mature. Now, this is a very interesting one for a long time. Even though Jesus explained and said, worries, riches, pleasures of this life, I did not understand what he meant. I didn't understand what that meant. It's a very complicated explanation. Like, what does it mean? How can, you know, it doesn't mean, okay, God gives me a word. And then if I worry about it, that worry would choke out the word. Yes, in a sense, but it's deeper than that. It talks about how the riches and the pleasures of life would choke that word. Does it also mean that, you know, I get busy, I get distracted by, you know, maybe watching TV, etc. I don't give attention to the word. It can also mean that. But what God now showed me as I really sat down and I meditated on, on this particular type of soil is this. And it is mind blowing because it puts a lot of things into perspective. Now, when he talks about thorns that choke that word, a few things that I want us to see here. The first one is this. There were some measure, there was a, there was some measure of results. There were some results that were produced from the beginning. Okay. So the seed was planted. It went into the soil. It began to grow. Okay. It began to grow. 
and it began to prosper. Maybe even as the Bible says, the air, the blade, etc. Maybe even brought out a few flowers, etc. It started to grow. But after some time, it became unfruitful. That means there was some measure of result before it became unfruitful. Now I began to think about that. This particular soil, right, is talking about things that come results that become a distraction. Results or things, people or situations in our life that become a distraction. And do you know how that distraction comes about? It is through alternatives. I'll explain what I mean. Alternatives that look good enough that cause us to turn our backs on the true riches. Alternatives. Alternatives show up that choke our attention, the attention that we would have given to that word. And we think, listen, I, if I have this already, why do I need to keep standing and waiting for this word to be fulfilled in my life? Okay. It's not like, it's not as if I'm suffering. At least I have this. I have that. A very good example to help me explain what I'm really trying to pass across now is Abraham. God gave Abraham a promise and he said, you know, you will be the father. I have made you the father of many nations. And he said that it is in Isaac. So a child through your wife, Sarah, etc. But do you know, Abraham went and had Ishmael. And do you know what Abraham now said? Abraham said, God, may Ishmael live before you. Basically, he was saying, here's an alternative. Listen, well, <laughs> to sit down and be standing on the word for Isaac or another child, I already have Ishmael, okay? Why can't you make Ishmael the heir? So, Literally, when Ishmael came, even though it was not the true riches, it was not God's ultimate plan. Abraham was thinking, look, I have some measure of results that I'm quite happy about. Okay, let me just stick with this. And as a result of that, the more you focus on that particular measure of results that you are producing, do you know what you do? You literally turn your back on what God has said. I'll give you another example. I remember when I, back in Nigeria, I grew up in Nigeria, went to university in Nigeria, etc. Most Throughout most of my university days, I got to the point where I was very much established in believing God for finances and for prosperity because things were really rough at home. Um, my, my, my mother had um, retired you know, etc. And, you know, it got to the point where her business wasn't doing that well. And there were days when, you know, it was, it was really hard to eat as in it was that bad. We had to like scrape money together to even eat, etc. So I'm not, I, so that, that was the situation. And as a, as a born again Christian in, in university, I began to search the word and I began to ask questions as in, I see these promises if you say that you will supply all my needs, etc., why is it not being done? And I began to walk with God. He began to show me things. I practiced what he taught me and I began to prosper in my finances so that whenever I needed anything, I knew how to stand on the word and literally see the word produce. And my income went up and up and up and up as a result of believing God and standing on the word, right? Now, fast forward, I moved to the United Kingdom 
So this is what I'm saying about the deceitfulness of riches. That is what the Bible calls it. I move into the, to the United Kingdom and I, and I start going to university. And one day, literally a couple of months after I, I arrived in the United Kingdom, um, I received the, a letter in the post. <laughs> and this letter was a pre-approved credit card. Pre-approved. I remember it was, you know, I remember that credit card <laughs> and I was like what's this you know of, of course I knew what credit card was and they gave me a limit I don't remember what the limit was but literally like hey free money right and even though it was still the same situation in that things were tough right because I just moved I needed to pay for my school fees etc to do my postgrad I abandoned what I knew so I literally turned my back on the promise of God that if I stand on his word, that word will produce abundantly and had seen it work over and over again. I had seen God take me from having nothing to, you know, as a student generating a sizable income, even more than some of the people that were working in banks at that time. But once I saw an alternative that made it easy, that said, Look, this is easy. Why do you need to go through that process of confessing the word and praying when, listen, here's somebody just literally dashing you a credit card. Free money. And I took it. I took that credit card. I sat, and you know, once you, once you enter that rabbit hole, it never ends. I went deeper and deeper into debt. I started applying credit card after credit card. They kept increasing my credit limit. I was spending, I don't, for, Probably two, three, four, five years. I don't think I ever really sat down and said, okay, God, this is what I want to achieve financially. Help me get this. Stand on the word. Receive a word. I abandoned the true riches. What I knew about standing on God's word to produce results. And I went the easy way. And do you know, like I said, that alternative usually does not end well. In fact, it is fleeting. The Bible talks about how it will disappear. If you look and you rely on, on certain riches, what you blink your eye and it's gone. And I went deeper and deeper into debt and I got further and further into that hole that I became overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, how did I get here? I was so overwhelmed with debt. Why? Because I was lured by an alternative that gave me an easy quote unquote way out and said, why do you need to go the God, you know, God's way? You've already produced results. You know that if you want to produce results and increase your income using God's way, you know how to do it. But look, listen, you don't have to. This is another way that you can do it. And it becomes an alternative that is actually a trap. Proverbs 23, 5 says, when you gaze upon riches, right, the deceitfulness of riches, they are gone. For surely they make wings for themselves and they fly off into the sky like an eagle. What am I saying? I'm basically saying when you're standing on the word for something, Satan knows how to bring a distraction through an alternative. And he will give you that alternative so that you can turn your back on the word that God gave you. You turn your back and the more you do that, the more your confidence in that word begins to shrink. That is why God was quick to tell Abraham, no, it's not Ishmael. 
It's going to be Isaac. It's going to be your child, your wife, Sarah, that's going to give you the son that I'm talking about. And it's also one of the reasons I believe that God sided with Sarah when she told Hagar to get out of the house because it had a way of presenting an alternative to Abraham that would have caused him to turn his back on the word of the promise of God for Isaac and it would have choked that promise and Isaac would have never come. Why? Because it's comfortable to settle and say, why do I need to reach higher? Why do I need to keep going? Any seeming advantage in this world that you think will get you to where God has shown you is fleeting. That means it will poof like smoke. It will disappear because it is directed by the affairs of this world and it will end in disappointment. Satan has a way of amplifying these advantages, these alternatives so that you're like, oh, this is quick. This is fast. Why do I need to keep standing on the word when I can go this way? Why do I need to keep pushing in prayer when I can literally just go and do it another way? But even if it looks enticing, the results, the riches that you think you might get out of it looks enticing. <laughs> we see it over and over again that it is temporary. It is temporary. It will not satisfy. And the more we focus and chase after those uncertain riches, the more that word, the life in that word that God gave us is squeezed out of it and it chokes to death. Literally. Remember, Satan tried it with Jesus. Jesus had to go through and stand and fulfill his ministry and go through the cross, etc., in order to have the true riches that nobody could ever take away from him. A name that is above every name. But Satan brought an alternative and he said, listen, there's a quicker, easier, faster way to get there. Take it. But Jesus said, no. That is what uncertain, uh, sorry, that is what the Bible means when it talks about do not trust in uncertain riches. So the worries, it says the riches and the pleasures of life, not wanting to go through the process, always looking for alternatives that will get you there quicker, not wanting to submit to the character development that God wants to use that process to build in you and say, no, I want it now. I want it quickly. If there's someone that want, that keeps saying, I want it quickly, I want it quickly, I want it quickly. This is the kind of soil that you're probably looking at where you just want quick results. You're not willing to submit to God's process and how he wants it to happen because God sees the full picture. He knows that, listen, this thing might destroy if I just, boom, give it to you like that. But I'm going to take you through a process where you grow and you multiply on the inside and your character, your compassion for people, whatever it is, is developed so that when you get there, it's not just about getting the results, but you are a new person. You've gone to another level in your thinking, in your capacity, in your character. When we try to bypass that process to the results, that is when we link up with those alternatives and their the riches and the pleasures of life that lures away and eventually would choke out that word. Hmm. So <laughs> those are the three types of soil that did not bear fruit. The fourth one 
Bible calls it the good soil. It says the seed that fell on the good soil. These are the ones. Now listen to the words that the Bible uses who after hearing the word. Okay. So they receive the word. They understand it. Now notice what they did. It says they cling to it with an honest and good heart. That's talking about motive. So it's literally addressed the, the type of soul where I want it now and it doesn't really matter to me how I get it. As long as I get it, even if it's a shortcut, even if I know God is saying wait, etc., it doesn't matter. So it says they cling to it. All right. And also addresses the one that fell on the, on the, on the, on the rock whereby they receive it with enthusiasm and a lot of emotion and joy but they don't cling to that word as soon as pressure comes they drop it you know you know like a hot stone and say oh no 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 i don't want this all right it says they receive the word they cling to it with an honest and good heart and then they bear fruit with steadfast endurance with steadfast endurance which is patience if we're not patient, then to see that we're through to his conclusion, following the process of God, then we will not see the manifestation. So the good soul receives the word, so understands it, receives it with joy, but it doesn't end there. The person clings to that word. They continue to hold on to it, meditate on it, pray on it with an honest and good heart, meaning the motive is pure. They only want to do it God's way. So whatever adjustments and corrections that the Holy Spirit is asking them to make, they submit to those corrections. And as a result of that, they bear fruit. How? Is it quickly, speedily? No, it says with steadfast endurance. Now that has nothing to do with time. Steadfast endurance does not mean you're going to wait 20 years. Steadfast endurance simply means you stick with the word and with God until it manifests. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a day. It could be five minutes. It literally just means you don't abandon it. Why? Because God's integrity is riding on that word. If he said it, he will certainly bring it to pass. If God gave you that promise, he has staked everything that he is and he has on that word. So when it doesn't happen, it is largely, largely, and I'm not saying this is all encompassing, but if we go by Jesus' example, four kinds of soul, three reasons why it does not bring forth fruit. All right. I'm teaching based on that perspective. Three reasons you would most likely be able to identify yourself in one of those three kinds of situations. And I hope it will help you, you know, stick with that word. Anything that you've sort of cast aside, go and dust up those journals again and begin to stand on the word again. And, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to take you through the journey and do what he wants to do. Take you through the process that is required for the manifestation of that word. Amen. <laughs> okay, so that's it for today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed it and I look forward to the next episode. Bye.